This is episode 22, and on this week's show, we're going to be discussing the two feature films from the Greek freak, Greek-Canadian, I don't know what the fuck he is, but he sounds Greek as fuck. His name's Panos Cosmatos, (laughs) and he directed Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy, so that's what we're going to be talking this episode. Let me go ahead and introduce my co-host, Paris. Hello, how are you? Hey, I am better than I was last time. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm happy to hear you're feeling better. And Travis, what's up, dude? I have returned. And Matt, you were correct that uh, he is Greek Canadian. Yeah. And uh, he's also Travis's number one. He, Travis stands him. So. Oh well, we'll get into it. Travis and his fucking <laughs> Mandy minions out of control. <laughs> um so beyond black rainbow and mandy that's what we're going to be tackling this episode so first up we're going to go with panos's first flick that is beyond the black rainbow let me read the plot synopsis for this bad boy Despite being under heavy sedation, a young woman tries to make her way out of the Arborea Institute, a secluded, quasi-futuristic commune. Written and directed by Panos Cosmatos. Film stars a bunch of jabronis. I don't know. I didn't recognize anybody in this movie. Um, Travis, these were your picks. You want to provide any insights into these picks other than you got a boner for Panos or... uh, Tell me, tell me a story. Sure. Create so, the narrative. Uh, yeah. The main reason for doing this is to make you rewatch Mandy and also to expose Paris to it as well um, because it Got is em. one of my favorite <laughs> movies and uh, not trying to show my hand too early on this episode, but I uh, thought uh, why not pair Mandy with his first feature? And you had uh, seen it before, right? This wasn't a first-time watch. Right. And this one, I am not as passionate about as Mandy. So I can't say I'm a full Panos stan quite yet. Mm. Interesting. Fair enough. I'm hoping wait that see what happens, third huh? film really hits whenever that happens. Hopefully he makes a movie a little bit sooner than eight years. Because <laughs> that's, oh, I think, Mandy... the distance between uh, Black Rainbow and Mandy. Were those are those his only two films? Mm-hmm. Mm, the reason it takes so long for him to make a movie is he's, he has to wait for uh, Daddy's uh, residual <laughs> checks to to add up so he can make a new movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny that you say that because that is literally like this movie was funded by his dad's film Tombstone, mm-hmm. which That's interesting. Awesome. You you yeah. look at Tombstone and then you look at. Beyond the Black Rainbow and um, pretty similar. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> well, let's let's dive into it. Um, do you want to go first on this one, Travis, or you want one of us to go? Um, I can go first. 
All right, let's hear it. So yeah, I tried watching this again to see if I would change my mind on it. And I'm about where I was at before. I think it was maybe not as bad as I remember it this time, even though I gave it the same score. I think I was being pretty generous the first time around. Um, But yeah, I just, I love what this movie is going for, but I just feel like you need like a guide or like the director sitting next to you telling you like what everything means Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, like just spell out all the subtext uh, for you. Cause I feel like there is a lot of thought put into this movie, but it's just hard to get any of it as a viewer. Uh, I mean, you can make like some, obvious uh pulls from it but i mean essentially it's about this like younger girl who is essentially like held captive at this like experiment site where they're experimenting with psychedelic drugs of some sort like some sort of like you know mind control type um facility but it's it's super slow like certain scenes are like 10 to 15 minutes long but like it's maybe like a minute worth of action um, so it's very like just plotting and just very slow, tedious and like meticulous. I do love the way it looks and the soundtrack. I think like on an aesthetic level, it's amazing, but it's just not a very good sit. <laughs> yeah. I, it, there's just not enough here for a feature length film. Like this would have been a killer tool music video for sure <laughs> like eight minutes oh my god condense the whole th- i mean there kind of literally is a tool music video like minus the music like two-thirds of the way into the movie you know what i'm talking the about the flashback the flashback yeah. scene like, yeah <laughs> jesus christ i was like oh yes hmm. tool vibes nice very nice but it's like i don't know it, i i appreciate the movie for having a consistent vision right like he clearly put a lot of thought in the way this movie looks and it oozes style but it's just not enough to sustain a feature-length movie and like you said travis it's very slow very kind of inaccessible plot wise because there's really not much that's spelled out like this is one of those movies where if you like read the Wikipedia page after and then you you look back you think back on what you watch and I was like yeah I mean I guess that makes <laughs> sense but like right. none of it's laid out in the film and I do think like that's a weakness I, like there's certainly some cool things in the movie and there were certain scenes where I was like into it but very much a slog and the score like you said is is pretty sweet but you know, it's a it's a synthesizer like eighties inspired score. Like I like that shit, but it wasn't like mind blowing. It's not that distinct. Like it felt suiting given the the aesthetic and the the timeline that the movie is set in, but like I don't know. Well it wasn't enough. Uh, it wasn't enough I, to make it like something I want to rewatch. I see what you're saying. And I I mean everyone loves a good, you know, eighties synth score, but um I do think there are a couple bangers uh, hmm, yeah. on the, the soundtrack. Paris, what about you? I'm curious where uh, where you landed on this thing. 
Yeah, so I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Let me Wait, back which up. one did you watch first? I got to ask that. Well, okay. Well, I, I, no, I'll tell I'll tell you later because okay. I think that'll give it away. <laughs> I so I one, I fucking hated this movie, but really I didn't even hate it. I just cuz hate requires a lot of feeling about it. I was just so bored. Like, I was kind of into it, kind of there with it. And then at about the 40-minute mark, at which there's another hour left of the movie, I was like, I'm done. I checked out. I went and Googled, you know, Beyond the Black Rainbow Explain and had someone on Reddit (laughs) tell me what the fucking movie was about. I didn't. I finished it. I, I thought about not finishing it. I did. I strongly was like, well, I know what the movie's about now. I don't need to fucking finish this turd. But I, I cannot express how mind-numbingly bored I was to the point where when the climax comes, I was like, good, we're done, goodbye. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a movie where there's like cool images that last a couple seconds sprinkled throughout 100 minutes, 110 minutes of just boring, just over-stylized, like... Just nothing. And like, honestly, Absolutely nothing. The, the most tragic part is that like the movie opens with this like, you know, it's like a training video or like a recruitment video for this like facility. Right. That it's was like, cool. It's that super was actually pretty interesting. And like, mm-hmm. like what's going on here and like kind of. But again, that went too long. Like it kept going. And I was like. I'm interested. Okay, I'm a little less interested. Okay, like, is the movie going to start? Like, it It was, like, the stylization I liked, but I wanted substance, too. It's not just the, the style is not enough to sustain a whole movie. Like, it's it's a perfect example of style without substance, right? I As mean, they that's, say on Great British Bake Off. It's, <laughs> that's basically what this movie is. But like I do think there is substance though. It's just hard to like like get it while you're watching it or like, you know, like uh tie everything together. Like well, there's the thing there's is- definitely some stuff going on with like um I don't know, just like maybe like political movements or like in certain decades and stuff i I definitely feel like it's trying to say something it's just really doing it in a way for you to like really what do you okay like extrapolate from it i'm very i'm only saying that after watching a couple youtube videos i okay like didn't catch any of it while watching it but i'm just saying i think this movie is like going over people's heads and i'm not like trying to excuse it uh because i do think it is a fault but i don't think it's it's necessarily saying nothing so i'm very curious i meant to ask you guys like what because like i said i did like look up what what i thought seemed like the most accurate uh explanation of it and i was like yep all those things make sense there was like one thing where i was like eh, kind of okay could be something else but i i pretty much got it but i was curious like what y'all thought like the movie was about because travis you're you're saying like some political movements which is totally beyond what i well maybe not political (laughs) but like uh societal type stuff like going on i thought so i i think the closest comparison i can think of is the new suspiria you know how there's like the the news footage uh that ties in like 
the political movements that are happening like in Munich or whatever in the seventies or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, th- cause Reagan's on TV a couple times in this movie. Right. And just yeah. because some fucking asshole pretentious douche on YouTube is like, Ooh, the political <laughs> motivations of this film, it just goes over your plebe head. Like it just, no, I'm not, it's not there. That. No, I know you're not saying that. I'm just saying, oh I don't, God. I don't care if you can extract, like, Finding meaning out of this film is like trying to juice an old dry orange. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah you might be able to get some juice. Orange but... away. Throw it away. <laughs> Nobody wants it. It's just not. There's nothing, nothing there. of substance here. And like, I think the the great tragedy is like the movie opens with this interesting concept of like, here's this medical facility and they are pitching themselves as like transcending human consciousness or whatever it is right that's uh that's the bud light seltzer uh margarita kicking in oh my god please do that more (laughs) that one just slipped out that was like an (laughs) auto-tuned fuck i don't even remember where i left off so oh god completely derailed my train of thought so can i get some help here does anybody remember um, what i was talking about you're talking about medical <laughs> facility or something oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like the the setup for the movie could be interesting from like a sci-fi perspective right like you hope this movie is going to like explore this concept of like transcendence and what that means for human consciousness and how that affects is it or like even the concept of like cult and this guy being like a psychopath like none of that is really explored in the movie it's basically just about this guy who is a psychopath and he keeps this girl captive and she's got weird telepathic powers and there's some weird like fucking twilight zone machine that like makes weird sounds and she gets a headache and like it's just there's nothing there and i was kind of hoping it would actually explore the setup but i feel like the movie's really not that interested in in the concept of this facility it's just more so interested in this like weird mood piece about this captive girl who's like a a uh, telemancer or something you know are either of you familiar with the anime elfin lied it's also a manga but no mm-hmm. never oh. heard of that. it's it's really similar so it came out i mean the anime came out in 2004 and it felt like and this was what 2010 right yeah i think that's when it started playing at like film festivals or something okay so it felt like it was taking some elements from that like the uh gal with some kind of telekinetic powers where she can do murders and she's being held captive in this facility and it's this weird like young gal that's also being like sexualized a little bit like it was in the movie and i felt like it was really interesting because i feel like that's like kind of an I'm always interested in that trope, you know, the gal stuck in a medical facility, has powers, everyone's trying to control her, and then she breaks free. Like, that itself is a really interesting concept. And I think everything that the movie was going for was along that same lines. Like, really interesting, but the execution was just not there. Like, it was a slog to get through. And honestly, if I hadn't like read the explanation, I would have absolutely 
no like the nuance wouldn't be there and the nuance is what makes it interesting you know Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and i don't know like i feel like initially out of the gate maybe the first like 10 to 15 minutes i was like whoa this movie is like really going for a vibe you know what i mean and i was kind of into it but it's just not enough to keep my attention like there wasn't anything else beyond the weird visuals and the the neat you know colors and the manipulating of the image where it's like it's not time lapse it's like transposing two images across one another to make it look like somebody is like on drugs you know like moving slowly and it's like almost like a specter of themselves is moving ahead of their like physical body like just these really cool images that just I don't know it's it's not enough to keep me interested and by mm, I would say the 30 minute mark I was pretty um I'm not going to say I was checked out. Like, I never fully checked out of the movie, but there was just, I don't know. It's just not, it's it's not enough. You know what I mean? Well, you start to pick up on, like, the pacing and what has all been accomplished in that time frame. And you you kind of realize, you know, the rest of the movie is going to be this way. (laughs) And then, you know, you kind of just deal with it at that point, I guess. Um, But I do think, like, simply put, like, if you want to just, put a theme on this i think it's trying to just show someone like breaking free from the system or like you know like mind control or whatever it may be like is it maybe equating like regular life like the reagan era and that kind of level of like pure capitalism to like being holed up in this facility and you have to break free and break out of that and break out of that mind control or whatever like do you think that's the parallel there it could be yeah. Well, and I do want to talk about the ending a little bit because I think there's, well, the last shot is kind of interesting in my opinion and ties into what I just said. And then there is a shot after the credits that I have like no, like, I have no idea how to, like, what to make of it. So, I yeah, we need to talk about the stinger for sure, for sure. <laughs> there was, there's a stinger? Oh. Dude, as yeah. soon as I it changed uh, the, the whole movie, man. As soon as the music kicked in and I saw, you know, directed by Panos, I was like, all right, I'm done. Wait, okay, Matt, you know there's a stinger in Mandy too, right? No. Oh my uh, God, Matthew. Oh, I, I would have seen it the first time. I'm sure Travis would watch it. It's pretty slight. No, I don't, I don't know if we did because I, mean, I didn't know it existed until like, like the third time I saw it, maybe. Really? I didn't even. Well, so in. Not, not, you know, we're getting into a little bit Mandy in here, but Mandy, I didn't know had a singer. We were just watching the credits and like talking about stuff. And, um, and then, yeah, the singer came and I was like, oh, okay. And then it was kind of the same thing with this one, except I already knew a little bit from the, um, Reddit explanation. So since Matt didn't watch the singer, Travis, do you want to talk about that, maybe? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. curious where it is. Well, I guess we're in, um, spoiler territory now um well i guess we're always in spoiler territory aren't we yeah show, we don't really um, do spoilers yeah. on this <laughs> yeah on this one <laughs> uh so yeah everything the, is spoiled the stinger is essentially a shot of the uh the tall red guys i forget the name of them is that uh, even in the seismi- movie it's yeah size size sentinots or sentinots so there's an, an action figure of that character or guy just chilling on the ground it's like a close-up 
on the the carpet, like floor or whatever. Like on the floor of a bedroom. See an action figure of one of those, and then it cuts. But you can't see like what room or like you know it, it's just like literally full shot of the action figure close up. So there's and what I was reading online was there was a theory that 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 means that it was all a dream of some suburban kid in the 1980s. Yeah, literally, it was all a dream. Like truly, that like very. I don't think that that adds anything to the film, though. Like, the fact that it was all a dream, like, almost doesn't make any... Like, it it makes it matter so much less. You know, like, it's not like in, like, Suspiria or something where you're like, oh, this is very nightmarish, it's very dreamlike quality, maybe this could be a dream or whatever. It just felt like, yeah, it's kind of a dreamlike quality, but then nothing is meaningful and I just wasted, you know hour 40 minutes of my life which i still feel a little bit of but like <laughs> i feel like even more so if it's just some suburban kid like oh toodaloo wouldn't this be funny <laughs> and it definitely seemed like it was on the floor of like a bedroom in a house it didn't seem like it was right like potentially her At action facility figure or something in her yeah. room or whatever and then it's all in her head i don't know i i don't even again i think this is like this could be a good movie if I sat down with Panos and he literally explained every <laughs> moment. If he it. told you how to feel about yeah. it. <laughs> It'd be an amazing movie. I, I would be very <laughs> curious because I couldn't really, I didn't really dig in too deep, but I would be very curious as to why the stinger is there. Because I think the stinger on this one just like, it just like throws the whole movie off. I'm like, it, it, I mean, I get, I feel like the intent is... <laughs> Well, I feel like, yeah, exactly. I feel like the intent is to confuse the viewer, to make you question what you maybe thought you understood about the movie. But I think those types of questions are only interesting if they are valid and could enhance the story and the movie. To me, that scene only says, okay, is this real? And you have to say, okay... Maybe, maybe not. It, it just, I don't know. It, it doesn't give, it doesn't add anything, in my opinion. Right. I mean, that regardless of it making you go, whoa, what? And recontextualizing <laughs> the movie? Like, whoa. what is it really recontextualizing? Like, oh, it was all a dream? Or, oh, it's a, it's a comment on, like, you know, the, the hyper-capitalism, like, growth of the Reagan era. And it's like, oh, yeah. This is an action figure now. Like that doesn't make what came before it more interesting or fun to watch. Interesting. It it adds, it it both adds and it adds nothing. It takes away nothing. Like it feels, it feels out of place almost. Like I, I think that there are some movies that you could do where there's like a mystery throughout. You're not really sure. And then you could have a stinger that maybe makes you question like, Oh, was I even watching reality the whole time? But I almost think that like, if you're not watching reality, then the then you have to suppose. Okay, I guess it's just some kid playing with his action figure, and that's him just making up the whole thing. First of all, that kid needs to go to therapy because that was fucked up. And second of all, like I don't think that makes it more. I don't think that gives us more to think about with the movie. I think it just cheapens it a little bit. That is interesting, though. I didn't know that there was a stinger at the end of it. Got to watch it again. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen, but... <laughs> Never in my life. <laughs> um, 
Do we have any uh, other thoughts on Beyond the Black Rainbow before we uh, move on to the main event? We're all just uh, rats in cages. Despite, Despite all, my, all rage. my rage, I'm still just <laughs> in those cages. So uh, I also well, no, I did want to point out. I did want to talk about the the shot, the final shot before the stinger. Okay. Oh, of her seeing the TV in the neighborhood. Well, she breaks free from the facility and she's like crossing the street, and it it's like another like almost contr- controlled society. Like it's just like a, yeah. you know, like right. a perfect neighborhood type so, setting. So I, I almost read that as like, you know, no matter how hard you try and like break free, you're always going to be like in some sort of like system that you. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cube esque. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought <laughs> that that scene was also interesting <laughs> because I can't remember the name of the movie. It was technically like a horror sci-fi came out recently on Hulu. It had Jesse Eisenberg and the oh, main gal in it. I can't remember. Yes. Vivarium. Which I just watched that. Was, and I'm not sure your thoughts on it. I didn't think it was great. I thought Meh. it was a really cool concept, but yeah, kind of didn't really cool live up to it. Cool concept, but it just got kind of goofy as it went on. Yeah, but it was interesting because um, uh, Kurt and I had watched Vivarium together. And so when it got to that part where it shows all of the houses all in the same row, he was like, oh, they're in Vivarium now. It's every house is the same. It's set up by aliens. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's even more like the the metaphor, like that. I kind of dislike the ending because it's just such an obvious like metaphor to make because she literally when the, you know, the lights go out in her room, like she just watches TV, right? So for her to have the TV in her room and then she gets out and it's like, oh, look, it's suburban America and we're all stuck in our homes watching the same box and you're just a <laughs> fucking slave to capitalism, man. Like, I just, for how obtuse the rest of the movie is, like, for that to be the final image, I was just like, really? Like, that's oh, what man. you're going to do is, you know, it's fucking... Very, <laughs> the grass it's is very not gen- greener, man. <laughs> it's very Gen X, again. Like, I'm curious as to how old our boy Cosmopolis is, because that's not his name. I couldn't really... Um, Cosmatos? How do you say it? He is, uh, like, 47. 47. So that would be full Gen X. So that makes sense a lot because, like we talked about in Cube, that's a lot of like that whole like fuck the man, we're all the same suburban life. What are we gonna do? But it's all like middle class, affluent white cis people making these comments where it's like you're fine mostly. Like yes, yes, capitalism is a prism, and yes, fucking eat the rich and all that bullshit. But also, there are larger things at play, and I think that that was a hey. very Gen X. We talked about that in Cube. I, I find it very yeah. almost like trite, you know. Yeah, but I, I was mean, just going to say that uh, you haven't walked a mile in uh, Panos's shoes. So, how do you know? You're right. It would be a. It would be. It would be <laughs> tough to be. You know. You haven't a, cashed any residual checks. From- <laughs> I haven't had nepotism. <laughs> Help me through my life. (laughs) I haven't been a, you know, an affluent, uh, you know, white man. So uh, you're right. I have never done that. (laughs) George Cosmatos did Cobra? 
with Sylvester yes. Stallone? Oh he my did like God. a lot, right? I didn't know that. Cobra rules. Maybe we should do Cobra next time. Is that Cobra a horror? Cobra does rule. No, I it's think not. it does have a a slight horror element to it. I think that's a that's a stretch, y'all. We Very, have so many, oh yeah, it would we be have so many stretch. horror movies. Let's let's not fucking do Cobra, okay? There's a killer line in that movie where he's like, uh, "Criminals are trash." And I am the garbage man or something like that. It's <laughs> some really corny line. About I love that you gave him like a Stallone <laughs> slash Schwarzenegger accent. Yeah, like. that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was much closer to Schwarzenegger than I really it was that. a 10 out of 10 complete bastardization of Schwarzenegger who's not even in Cobra. But you know what I mean? All right. Let's uh, do we want to do star ratings or does anybody have anything else they want to say about? I had Black only Rainbow? one more thing. Yeah. Um, and that was when I went to rent this on Amazon Prime. It said leaves Prime in 25 hours. And we were supposed to record like within 24 hours of us doing that. And I was like, oh, this was on purpose. Wait, you rented it? Yeah. What do you mean? Or no, I'm sorry. I didn't rent it, but it was on Prime. It was available on Amazon Prime. But it said it left Prime in 25 hours. Oh, oh okay. So I just like, watched it. only had it just close. enough time. Yeah, exactly. That's I just I watched it on, on Travis's Voodoo. I f- didn't even know it was on Prime. Oh, I forgot. I You know, I was looking back. It's, I mean, full disclosure, it's been a long time since we <laughs> talked about originally doing this and recording, so. Yeah, there was a big gap. It's been like eight months or something. So. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> in, in the making, yeah. Huge episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Uh, No. All right, no. let's drop stars. I'm going to go with two stars out of five. 2.5 for me. I'm going to go with a half star. Whoa. Hell yeah. yeah. The style did I don't know if I communicate. <laughs> I don't know if I communicated how at the 40 minute mark, I was literally on my phone and thought, how badly do I need to finish this? Could I? And honestly, after recording this, I didn't need to finish it. I would have been fine. <laughs> I knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough one. So I don't I don't think I'll be revisiting this one. But glad I finally saw it. It's been on my radar basically since it came out. It does have its fans, though. I will say that for what it's worth. And uh, I'm pretty sure it is positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Fucking so hipsters. People do like it <laughs> for you know whatever reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just uh, it's artsy Sometimes fartsy. people shove their heads up their own butts so far that they can't see the sun. So anything that's presented in front of them that seems like hip and counterculture, they're like, "Oh yeah, fucking." Ugh. Like, <laughs> is that your uh, perfect segue into Mandy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Better not. Be. Actually, no. I will say no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into Mandy, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, we will be right back. All right, and we're back. So moving on to part two of the double feature. This is Panos Cosmatos's uh, more well-known, more revered. Oh, barf. Um, this is the one that people uh, know him from. The one that kind of put him on the This is the, the one map. that gets the people going. <laughs> so let's read the plot <laughs> synopsis. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen, propelling a man into a spiraling, surreal rampage of vengeance. 
film Fuck. stars yeah. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough, and the only other uh, person I recognize in this movie is uh, Richard Drake, who was uh, one of Rob's uh, Bob Zom's uh, favorites to work with. So, oh, the the chemist. Yeah. Hmm. You he, forgot to mention our our girl Matt from the Survivalist. What? That, old oh, that, lady. that movie's butt. I don't know what you're even talking Who? about. Oh, old lady. On. Oh my god. She's in the Survivalist. The the what, mm-hmm. the. Okay, uh, I recognized her. She's been in things. Four or whatever. Mother as I Mother Marlene. I haven't seen the Survivalist, but like I definitely recognized her. The gal with the white hair, right? Fox. Okay. Oh, don't god. let Matt and Tom dissuade you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and uh, uh, he's only in the movie for like two minutes, but Bill Duke is in this movie, who you would know oh, from Predator yeah. and Commando. Oh, yeah. That guy rules. Um, so, Mandy, if you listen to uh, Cinephiles Digest, you know. Travis has a huge boner for Mandy. Cream Dream Supreme. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, so uh, take it away, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll save the cream dream for last. Um, I'll I'll go first, I guess. I'm really curious to hear, especially after Beyond the Black Rainbow, how Paris felt about this one. But for me, uh, I have a fraught relationship with Mandy. Uh, we watched it for my birthday. Travis brought it over, and uh, me, Travis, and Tom watched Mandy whatever year that came out and uh it was rough that was (laughs) a rough gift (laughs) did not like it uh was very bored matt said no thank you (laughs) (laughs) um and while there were moments that i thought were neat i was just so disengaged from the experience (laughs) and thought it was super pretentious and boring and uh just could not fathom why travis loved this movie so much and on a rewatch, uh, still can't fathom why Travis loves this movie so much, but um, definitely went up on a rewatch. Um, I do think the first half is quite boring and quite pretentious and pretty uninteresting. But once uh, Nick Cage kind of gets to be Nick Cage and it becomes like an unhinged like fucking action movie, it's pretty cool. There's some cool scenes. I love the score. Um, yeah, once it kind of becomes more of like a, a horror action movie with just like grotesque violence and insane imagery, like I, I'm more into it. But uh, I don't know. I just, again, I think it's a situation where this movie has a lot of style, but it's just, you know what I think it is? Like there are certain movies, She Dies Tomorrow is a perfect example that is very, very stylish, Sucks. right? And it's, okay, sure. But it's going for a mood, right? And it, if it's doing its job, it makes you feel something. Mandy, and it especially doesn't. Beyond the Black Rainbow, did not make me feel anything. So the style is kind of grading. And I think ultimately that is what, holds this movie back for me is now, I just you, feel nothing. Are you open to liking the first half of the movie? I mean, I, I think no, you, I guess. Major like, mind up or 
what if I convince you? You can try, but I mean, <laughs> even the second half, even the second half is like, it's entertaining. That's the thing. I, I mm-hmm. enjoy the second half because it's fun, but it's still, this movie just doesn't make me feel anything. I think there's a lot there though. And I do think the first half, like, sure, it's not as entertaining or like as crazy or fun as the second half, but I do think it's worthy and like serves a purpose. And there's still a lot of good like storytelling and buildup in the first one or first half. And um, it just kind of makes the second half, well, not even better, but I don't know. I just kind of like both halves of the movies or of the movie, even though they're doing two different things almost. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair. I want, I want you to elaborate on that um, later, but um, Paris, I'm super curious. Where did you land on, on Mandy? I know you do love you some Nick Cage, so I'm very curious. Yeah. And in true form, I fucking loved this movie. Oh, Not to blow my go. load too soon, but I don't know, man. This is definitely like a banger. Kurt said this might be his new favorite. Hell yeah. Oh, I, no. I wasn't sure. I thought he might have been joking and I clarified. He said, no, this is truly, I think, my new favorite movie right now. Everything makes total from sense. The- yeah, from the Nick Cage of it all, which, as y'all know, I'm a huge fan. Um, the score, the ambiance, the atmosphere, the feeling like you're in a fantasy novel mixed with metal themes throughout the whole thing, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But every note, it just hit it perfectly. Everything it was going for it was amazing. Unlike Beyond the Black Rainbow, I found it fully engaging start to finish it was maybe a little obtuse but not confusing i got what was like i just ah banger 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 like i don't even i don't even know (laughs) i don't even know what i can say And I really, I really came in and was like, well, first of all, I thought this movie was going to be totally different. For some reason, like I knew Matt was like, fuck this movie. And Travis was like, I will fuck this movie. I'm so in love with it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I came in like really unsure of how I would feel about it. I also, for some reason, thought it was going to be a detective movie where Mandy was like a victim or like a missing girl that Nicolas Cage had to find. So when it turned out to be the opposite of that, yeah, it turned out to be the opposite of that. I was like, okay. I'm here for it. It caught me. It caught me from 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 the beginning. I was really interested in what they were doing and what was going on. And then the story from there, I was like, caught me at every beat. And then at the halfway point, when it ramps it up to 11. Oh, my God. I just I have no words. You guys are love both it. drinking the Kool-Aid. Another Mandy Minion joins the fucking cult. <laughs> God. I'm honestly happily drinking the fucking Flavorade oh, over here. Yeah. Like, line me the fuck up. I am here for it. All right. Well, Travis, Huge. it's your turn. The floor is yours. Let's, let's hear it. Well, Paris, I don't know if I could have said it better myself, but uh, <laughs> very proud 
co-host over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm a convert. I'm glad this is the the way you watched it. You had to speak on it on on live air. Let's do this. All right. So, <laughs> in regards to the first half, Matt, you don't like get involved with their relationship and think it's like sweet at all, and like you and can obviously tell that they've had a. Tr- like they've both had troubled past. They're like, they're kind of opposite in a way, but they're like perfect together. Um, it just seems like a sweet, like tender relationship. But there's like this like darkness behind them. And then there's like this like brooding presence that like comes to, you know, where they're living or whatever. And I just think it does such a good job of like, building that relationship up where you actually like care about them. And then when the like horrific thing happens in the halfway point, it just turns into like the full on like ultimate revenge fantasy. And like, that's why the second half is so fun. And who cares if it even actually happened or not? Cause like, I think one interpretation of the movie is that he dies halfway through the movie. Like he dies from that stab wound and then this is all just like in his imagination or it's just like, you know, a dream of interesting what could have happened. But I think you can read it both ways. And that's just like an added element that makes it even cooler. But I I ultimately just think that's what it is. But there's still like so much more beyond that. And I don't know. I just think the first half lends itself to the second half. And um, I don't know. I, I just think if, if you like the first half or the second half that you should eventually like vibe with the first half, but I guess it maybe will take one or two more tries for you. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I see that Matt likes the second half for the pure, almost the schlock of it, like the 80s slasher vibes. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's what you're getting out of it and that's what you appreciate out of it. And the first half, you're like, I don't really care about the story, the buildup, what all the stuff that Travis talked about, about their relationship and how that's interesting and their backgrounds. You're like, just give me some 80s slasher schlock. Yeah, like, what are you guys smoking? Like, what, what they're a cute couple because they fucking watch TV together on the couch? They're like, not a cute where, couple. What are you talking about? I find what? them really interesting. Like, she has a scar oh on her God. face. It's never explained. She is not interesting at movie. all. I she was is. so glad when she, she seems died. Like, she seems oh like almost like a manic pixie. <laughs> she seems almost like manic pixie dream girl, but not quite that. Like, she's fulfilling this this space where she exists to be her own person and that's i don't know that's not something you find often in movies that center around a male revenge fantasy about his girlfriend you know what i mean like that's i found her to be a very complete character also which i really appreciated they're definitely quirky but they do have like intimate moments they talk she talks about like the moment with her dad and like beating those starlings and sure you can think it's like weird or like whatever but like i think that's just like vulnerability i think it's just showing that she's like vulnerable moment you know yeah and she's dealt with some shit in the past and like she has like harmony here with her relationship and like with nick cage at their home but then that just gets jeopardized by some fucking asshole who has like a god complex 
And it's kind of led up to and that he's like, maybe we shouldn't, you know, maybe we shouldn't live here. And she's like, no, I love this. This is our home. I love just creating this small little simple life with you. And Matt, to me, I'm surprised that you can't, like, I feel like you appreciate and understand that level of like that love romantic relationship in movies where it's like very much just about each other. And, I, and they're like, I don't want anything else in the world, but like this, this is it. And that's what the beginning of the story kind of focuses on. And then it leads into how that gets disrupted. Like Travis said, when this evil force comes in and it's truly like, I don't Dude, know. I just kept thinking of it. The way she gets captured. Can you imagine waking oh up to that? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh that, my that God. That seems pretty nuts. <laughs> Okay, can we talk I know about it's the... like super stylized, but holy No, fuck. it's insane. <laughs> and can we talk about the Mennonites for a second? Because that's clearly like what they are. Like they're like the Mennonites from Hellraiser, right? Like they're fucking scary as shit with their little they like. They're gnarly. <laughs> yeah. And like it's, it's sword truly. Dick. <laughs> okay, honestly. But like <laughs> that was pretty funny. I was like, that's his dick. Kurt was like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, no, I, I'm pretty sure that's his, that's his penis. Um, <laughs> but I really liked the general like atmosphere of it being a fantasy novel and it being like a true good versus evil. But it's not like good where it's so good. Like sometimes in a fantasy novel, you're like, okay, you're so good. I don't like like, can you can you be a little evil a little bit so I care, you know, so I'm interested because you're kind of boring. But they are already like, it's like an a interesting... heavy metal fantasy. It mm -hmm. truly is. OK, on that same note. Each act is kind of broken up by those title cards that has different like metal fonts. I thought actually Kurt and I both were talking about how we thought it was really interesting that those metal fonts seem to correspond with like the vibe of the act that that follows it. So like the first one is very like a like a kind of happy go lucky like almost a, like sticks like a shimmering lake or, or is that yeah the so it's one? like um you know where it's like blue and white with like i think that's the stars. first one that's the yeah. first one yeah the, exactly the shadow mountains like is what it's called shadow mountains circa 1983 and it's like very exactly it's very shimmery it's very like sticks-esque where you can still tell it's a metal but it's very like accessible and easy and then the middle one i can't remember exactly but the one like where it Temple actually of does the new dawn or something like that Oh, it like gives that. like children of the new dawn. Right? It's yeah, children of the <laughs> sacred deer or whatever. And it's a little more, <laughs> it's a little more like intense. Like it's a little more brutal. And then when it gets to Mandy and it does the Mandy title card, which is also amazing to do a title card halfway through the movie. It, it dives deep into like, that is a pure black metal font, mm -hmm. like the almost unreadable script branching off into these millions of like blood red, where you can't even read it anymore. And then the rest of the movie is just like true black metal style, like very intense, violent and aggressive and revenge fantasy. Like, I don't know. I felt like it fit everything so perfectly, like so opposed to, you know, beyond the black rainbow, the stylization in this just worked. And that's why I was so surprised when you guys said this was just a second movie, because it felt like, Beyond the Black Rainbow did feel like a first film. And this felt like someone who's really like 
got their shit together. Like they, they've done a bunch well, of films in their career. They figured it out. Like mm-hmm. they have similar vibes. They're still stylized and they still have the same, the same uh, kind of things that they're doing. But it's all like comes together so well. I do think Black Rainbow is too abstract, but I think he is a very skilled director and puts a lot of like thought into his project because like not to cut you off but like just like the world this movie creates like the black skulls we already talked about are amazing chatter goblin is awesome and like we do need to talk about chatter goblin iconic yeah we can talk about it more later bill duke's character like the chemist there's just like so many little like things about this movie that he like took time to like put thought and effort into it like i just just feel like nothing about this movie is glazed over like yeah it's a full piece (laughs) um yeah disagree bud (laughs) Mm. i just um I don't know, like giving giving people cool <laughs> names and having them have a costume and stand in a room and look like a chemist guy and vaguely hint at what his role is in the cult. Like, it's just not interesting to me. Vaguely hint just, at, it was very clear that he was the one making drugs for them. Yeah. No, I just like, mean, that, that, that doesn't like, make do these mean? characters interesting. Like, I understand what you're getting okay, at, but, but you're it feels out like one thing in this movie. Like, I just think there's like also, so that much. That character detail. was very interesting. Like, I would strongly disagree, but. No, and that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, I get that you're, you're, the point you guys are trying to make is that this movie does a good job of world building and every detail is deliberate. And while everything might not be explained, everything just fits and makes sense in the world. And I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I was not interested by it. I just don't care. It's not interesting to me. Mm, that's fair. I'm surprised, though, because I feel like you... Yeah, honestly, I, I am of... surprised, and we're, I'm not trying to like you know bully you right now. But like, <laughs> he is trying is... to bully you. Don't listen. No, no, no. I just find it. I do find it weird that you don't like it. I just feel like there's so many things about this movie that are like things that you would be interested in. Like, like I thought you would be interested in their relationship. Like, sure, it's a little right, like slow and pretentious. Like, I, I'll give you that. Like, but. Like, for me, it completely works. Yeah, I'm actually surprised, Matt, that you feel so strongly against... I mean, I guess you on the rewatch, you're, you're less strongly against it, but I'm surprised that the that the first half is you're like, fuck this shit, I hate it. Because, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I don't hate it. I just found it very uninteresting. Like, I just... I don't know. I'm just not impressed by... Like you have a couple red lamps and do some cool lighting with a fog machine. Oh, the lighting was so cool. It's not enough for me. I (laughs) I don't find it that aesthetically interesting. Like I would, I am much more interested aesthetically by something like the Holy Mountain, which is just so batshit insane. And it's like something I've never seen before. This just, I don't know. Like I like, I like, metal i like metal aesthetic it just feels like it's trying to emulate that kind of like you know and you alluded to the 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 mennonites like the all like when i see those the biker gang people like yeah it's cool but it just feels like a ripoff of hellraiser to me like i don't find that aspect of it interesting i don't think the interlaying like you know the scene um 
where but they, they they look cool and they have a backstory and they're they like I don't know. I, just to say, like, oh, it's a cheap riff off of of Hellraiser just seems like a cheap criticism. Like it's paying homage to that, but like I thought it was more of an homage than a rip off. But I, I that is a criticism that I like. I understand because it, it does feel a little bit like. But he, it's that's exactly that what he's them, doing. But... Is like paying homage to like eighties movies and movies that he grew up with or whatever. Like, uh, and it's still like a an original like piece of work and has a lot of like originality. Um, yeah. I don't know. I that... like, I sure I can see what you're saying, but I, I also disagree. can get like, like you guys <laughs> really, really found, um, what was it? She dies tomorrow. Like, I think that one like didn't connect with me in the same way that it did with y'all. And I think this is probably, well, I that, was, like, that was just first me. Time. Yeah. And then no, I watched that it was again just a second you, time. That's what it was. Could, could see, why people were digging it and liked it more but i still had some issues with it so i think like all of our roles are reversed in this one like matt was me in that one you were him or whatever you know like paris you're not claiming mandy sorry (laughs) i'm on the top of this mountain no 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 no. you've always loved mandy i meant more like in relation to like how Anyway, um, no, no, no. Definitely, you are a, a Mandy fan, Cream Dream Supreme. I'm new to the game. I'm just like, holy shit, I love it. I was actually really surprised that Kurt was so into it. He was literally like, this is my new favorite movie. No irony there. That surprised me a bit. But I I get that some of it does come down to just personal taste and maybe just like how it hit you. I'm just, like, like Travis said, I'm just a little surprised that that specifically didn't hit you but i don't know can we talk about though like a couple of like the specifics like nick cage in this movie is fucking bat shit and i'm here for it like he is off the rails even before the movie itself goes off the rails he is kind of off the rails and i'm really here for that level of like strong stylized off the rails nick cage he does go off the rails but i feel like he does have some like like quieter moments that are really good and then like the bathroom scene as well is an amazing scene because <laughs> that that's first one you where i feel laugh, like he goes off the rails yeah like, like i did laugh oh shit but <laughs> like it's it's funny like there was there was quite a few times where that's kind of why i liked some of like the schlockiness of it there was a couple times where I laughed. Like I didn't think there wasn't a humor in it because oh, it was almost so ridiculous. Yeah, especially like the way Nick Cage acts sometimes. It's just too funny. But I that's kind of also what I like about it. Like, yeah, like watching some of those like older, you know, shittier or like movies his, or whatever. His facial expression when he does the when he breaks the one of the dude's necks. <laughs> Oh yeah, or... in the house when it like he just like effortlessly like just like spins the dude's head around and then like looks at the camera all crazy. Yeah, oh, or, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> or like when he's in the car and he's looking at himself before he smiles, he's got this just like weird look on his mouth, like he's like, Arr! like oh, yeah. just like a like he's lost it towards the end of the movie. But I loved it. That's <laughs> or... like. Are you talking about like almost at the very end when he's like leaving 
Yeah. He's like covered in blood and it's like he sees her in the car next to him. Is that the, the part you're talking about? Because that's like probably the yeah. most like iconic scene from the movie is like Nick Cage with that goofy fucking look on his face, like <laughs> looking at the camera <laughs> covered in blood in the car. Is it, That's what you're talking about, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. When before he smiles, he's just got this little weird look on his face, like, 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 like there's something wrong with his mouth. And then, and then he looks over at her, and then he just has this big giant grin. And I couldn't help but laugh. And I feel like that's kind of the point. Is it? It is kind of silly as fantasy can be. Like if we're talking about fantasy, like the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy has like ten endings and. Eight of them are just like absolute slapstick at this point. Because I feel like that's kind of how it is. And I don't know. I just, I really liked it. Matt, did you love the part where he uh, lights his cigarette on the uh, the burning head on the ground? Yes, of course. <laughs> that, that part was killer. So I was I was very close to, to, to coming out the other side. So do you, do you know what the, the pivotal moment was? Was... At the start of the chainsaw fight scene, I had forgotten about that scene, right? So at the start of it, when he grabs the chainsaw and then that guy grabs like the even longer chainsaw and the way that scene is lit, I was like, is this my new favorite movie? Because I thought like, wow, this is going to be like the best thing I've ever seen. And then that scene happened and I was just like, that was not nearly as cool as the setup was. And that's kind of how i feel about pretty much all of the movie is i'm like oh wow this is cool and then never really goes beyond that for me and that was the scene where it stood out most to me because i was like holy shit this movie is going to be this is amazing like i'm i thought that was going to be the turning point and then it happened and i was like okay well no it wasn't the turning point (laughs) like didn't really live up to your expectations yeah it's just turning point was the eric estrada joke (laughs) oh my god i texted lost you at that moment (laughs) i texted travis when i because that's you you know what i'm talking what we're talking about right paris it's like eric estrada 10 minutes into the movie yeah (laughs) yeah it's so funny i hate it no See, that's the kind of like absurdist humor that's like, I don't know, that really like, that's the other thing is I feel like this movie has horror, action, fantasy, and like some absurdist humor in there. Like, we need to talk about the Cheddar Goblin cartoon. I I don't find that Eric Estrada joke funny, but it I just, I mean, it's, it's kind of throwaway, but to me, it just like, it just kind of shows kind of who he is and what their relationship is and like, who hasn't told their you know, sitting together a dumb joke and like thought it was funny or like knew that it was like not going to get a reaction, but they wanted to say that's it why it was so like, funny. Like, that's yeah, what I don't know. It just, so it's funny. just like, and I know we could be like, you know, overblowing the, the first half map, but there's some good stuff in there. I don't think we are. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like that's an, that's another element that I'm not super into is that like, tonally like the the camp like i i like you ripped my shirt the it camp was aspects. campy it and was I just, very campy tonally i just i wasn't into a lot of <laughs> you those... ripped my shirt <laughs> <laughs> well and like even at the end of the movie like the oh. big final encounter where well, the guy like 
turns into a giant, you know, he just ends oh, up cowering and he's like, I'll suck your dick, man. Like at the end of the movie. That was like, so that. good. I felt like that really <sighs> took it down where he was like, he truly got him to the point of being human again. I love that. Well, I mean, for me, I, I feel like that was just to illuminate the fact that he's was just a fraud the whole time. Like I've, that more to me was like a, yeah. a criticism well, of yeah. like cult the cult of personality and he I mean it was definitely based on like the Manson family of it all right like oh like just from the way that the the character is styled yeah like he definitely wasn't connected to God I don't know I other than the Meta Knight stuff I was like this is clearly something he came upon but I was like there he's not connected to God this is all bullshit this is some Manson family stuff like especially when he has his like he's like do you want to listen to my album do you want to listen to my album? It's really good. And she's just fucking laughing at him. Oh, I love that scene. Is that scene. Awesome. Because you think, oh, she's just going to give in and all oh, this is so tragic. And she's just like, fuck you, you stupid, pathetic little man. And I well, love it. Matt, you might call it artsy farty, but uh, like the superimposed, like her face morphing with his face. Such a cool visual for like what's going on in that scene. I hated Definitely. it. I, I'm glad you brought I, that I, up. Thought yeah. that was <laughs> oh, of course, wow. but that was but <laughs> really. No that's what you I was about was, to say, and somebody else quote, said something else. <laughs> yeah, it was but. <laughs> that just, uh, I don't know. Like, there's just so many elements like that that just totally just ring false for me in the first half. And the only but, reason I like the second half is because it it just goes off the rails and it's just batshit crazy and i like enjoyed right. it more on that element but everything else surrounding it just it didn't sit well with me so you like it for the potato chip aspect and the potato chip aspect only yes <laughs> <laughs> fair enough well what i, I was gonna mean? say uh oh and it's I, uh in reference to matt's letterbox review yeah he, he just I likes the, the fun, empty calorie-ness <laughs> of this movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was going to say, yeah. the you rip my shirt is like a funny line, but it also serves a purpose that Comes you find back out in the later end. in the movie. Where That's why I love it, because you, it's so well, silly. The way I interpret and then not. that end scene is that's when he met Mandy, was he was wearing that shirt, and that's why it's his favorite shirt. Right. Right. And that's kind of I feel like that's that's another cool thing about the movie is, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like, it is really funny when he says he's like, you rip my shirt, you rip my shirt. Like, it's, <laughs> it seems <laughs> it seems ridiculous and like over the top. And at the end, you see why he was so upset about it and it's like emotional and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, I no, know. it's good. Good stuff. This movie fucking rocks. <laughs> I, th- you guys are going to give me shit for this, but I'm not going to lie. I was a little bothered that this movie came out or th- it's set in 1983 and Mandy is wearing a Motley Crue shirt when Motley Crue did not have their breakout until the end of 1983. And I was like, are these fucking a Motley Crue shirt? I see her wearing oh, a, at the beginning of the m- and a black Sabbath. She's shirt. wearing a black Sabbath shirt, but at toward at the beginning of the movie, she's wearing a Motley Crue shirt. Yeah, but Mandy's really cool, and she was she had her finger. She on the seems pulse. like someone that would know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, but they in live LA. in a cabin in the woods, uh, so they obviously don't have MTV out there. 
How so how does she know about Molly Crew? Right, but Motley Crue's breakthrough album did not release until September of 1983. So there's their no way there was enough album, time. But was for that her. their first album? It was not their first album, but well, unless then, she then you're then also you're wrong. this is <laughs> Fantasyland, stupid, but. where the broods exist and they have sword dicks. So I don't care about your little yeah. Motley Crue. Uh, goof. <laughs> I see. Actually, I see your Motley Crew. It would only be a goof if they hadn't come out with music yet, but they did have an album out yet. So really, not a goof. Just a her being very cool. <laughs> no, I don't think that's just <laughs> Matt being very Got him. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like that's uh, it's not okay. something that like really bothered me. But it was like I, it was a thing that I noticed, and I was like, really. You had right, to pick so Motley Crue. I, I do want to say one last thing about this movie, and then I will shut up until we give star ratings, unless called upon. <laughs> Go for it. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, so from the director himself, he said that, this is a little bit of uh, trivia for y'all. Uh, he said the first half of the movie is more of a homage to his mother, who was like a traditional artist. I think she was like a sculptor or something like that. And then the second half was an homage to his dad, who was like an action, like popcorn movie director. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. On that top of that. uh, that's interesting. Everything, you know that. I mean, yeah, without knowing that, the movie's still amazing. But I do like that little nugget. That that honestly, that's perfect because tombstone rules and pottery drools so that makes perfect <laughs> sense that i like the second half more than the first Matt, half <laughs> you saying pottery drools just shows how unsophisticated you are that's why you don't like bandy sorry bud i guess so i'm just a fucking uh i'm a normie it's this movie's too metal for me guys <laughs> <laughs> this is why but you are like you do like metal music and you are in a pretentious shit that's why i'm like so confused <laughs> i yeah. i don't know i don't like pretentious shit that uh i don't know feels that like it's trying likes. too hard <laughs> <laughs> no well there's honestly there's probably a little truth to that right travis like there are certain like quote unquote What's pretentious that? movies that you really like that I don't mm-hmm. like, and then vice versa. There's pretentious movies I really like that you don't like. We each, yep. we each have our own brand of uh, pretension. Like, you like the Neon our Demon. Own uh, pretentious bias. Yeah, yeah. You're a Nicholas <laughs> Wending Refn kind of pretentious. I thought you also like Neon Demon. <laughs> Is that not right? Neon Demon? Neon, neon Demon. Demon. No, I, I do not like Neon Demon. I like mm, Drive okay. and Only God Forgives. And that's it. Every time I watch Neon Demon, mm-hmm. I just want to like it a little bit more. Well, that might be that's one I'm to... considering uh, re-exploring in the near future. So we'll see. I don't know if it'll do much for you though, Matt. If you're watching <laughs> Mandy didn't do much for you, I don't know if that one. Because right. I can actually like you know, I got some ammunition with Mandy. I don't have a lot with Neon. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Neon Demon's kind of. Uh... All right. Any other th- any other thoughts on uh, on Mandy before we do yes. stars? Because we didn't talk about the Cheddar Goblin commercial. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. So it was it was directed and done all by the same person that did the Too Many Cooks video from Adult Swim. Are you all familiar with that? Too many. No. Cooks. I am familiar, too but many cooks. I didn't um, like 
I wasn't in on the joke. I watched it and was just like, eh. You weren't immediately scared and pooped your pants when you watched the Too Many Cooks video? No. I didn't really well, if anyone's like, listening, feel anything by watching it. It was just like a we're, we're checking well, the box here. This that really just confirms that you are a fucking robot. <laughs> it was maybe I'll watch it again. Was, I, I it spooked the it like the first time I saw it, I had no idea what it was going in, and I was it was it was something, and I pooped my pants figuratively. And literally, I had to wear a diaper after that. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no. But it, it just, it makes sense. I don't know. Like the Cheddar Goblin commercial, Kurt and I were both like, this, is this a real commercial from, the no. When they're pouring the like cheddar over their heads, like <laughs> it feels very reminiscent of that, like a very absurdist humor. Matt, thumbs up or thumbs down on Cheddar Goblin? Um, I'm not. There's gonna, no in between. I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Cheddar Goblin. The commercial what that are you they're watching. About? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you seen this movie twice and you don't know what Cheddar? I Goblin have no is? idea what you're talking about. Were you looking at your phone both times? What are you? <laughs> what the fuck is Cheddar Goblin? Okay, it's the so like know, fake macaroni and cheese commercial in the middle of the movie. Yeah, when they're like watching TV and then it turns to the commercial what? and then it's oh, like Cheddar we're talking Goblin, about Cheddar Brand. <laughs> Cheddar brand macaroni and cheese. And then the Cheddar Goblin pours like macaroni and cheese noodles all over this kid's heads. Are you Googling right now, Matt? Like, come no, on. I are you. Are you joking me? me? That like, was such a that was like a, a an intent. Like they they have like a like the full commercial in there. Like, are you serious? It honestly like I was I was not looking at my phone. I was a hundred percent focused on the movie. You it must have out. really just been that can you like nothing Google to me. Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> yeah, I can Google it. Maybe that'll uh, <laughs> ring a bell. While I'm so, while, while I bring it up, oh, while it's Matt's like, googling. Matt, it's when he comes home after Mandy's killed, and it's like right before he like falls into bed. He, the Cheddar Goblin commercial is on like when he gets home. But the whole commercial plays out in the movie, basically. While Matt it's like is Googling. The, the perfect halfway point <laughs> where it goes from like one movie to a completely different movie. It does set the scene for like what the fuck is going to happen now. Oh, um, okay. The Mac. Okay. Yeah, I remember watching this. It had zero. I had zero. Ouch. It did nothing for me. Wow. Oh, clearly. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. That's interesting. I will say real quick that I, I really disliked the uh, like animated like dream sequence interludes. Just would have been you way cooler like if they weren't stayed. I just didn't like the fact that they were animated. It did. It felt like just another like thing to throw in there that felt pretentious. Like. I, I would have liked those better if they had just been staged live action. Like some of the imagery I thought could have been mm. really effective. And the fact that it was like an animated cartoon just I actively disliked. I feel like it was just trying to like bridge the gap between like reality and fantasy or just like helping further right. cement that it's a fantasy. Oh, it just it felt yeah. invasive to me. 
I don't know. I don't know. I just, they just, they just didn't do it for me. I had enough of you, man. More chainsaw (laughs) fights, more Nick Cage squishing dude skulls. Just give me the bloodbath. Give me the bloodbath. Okay. Can we talk about how head crushing by the eyes is the theme of both of these movies? Because that's (laughs) it. Panos loves, uh, love head, head crushing. Good um, one other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is that um, Nicolas Cage's wife of like many years had divorced him or at least asked him for a divorce like not long before filming this. And he said that he put all of the emotion of their separation into his performance, which I feel like really makes sense and makes it even better and more intense of him like losing his spouse and partner in the movie. Hmm. Huge. Interesting. Just for the record, I also really dislike the the bathroom freakout scene. Travis knows this. You but. really don't like that? <laughs> I just, I, thought, I but it's, it's so, so funny. Corny. It's so just, funny. It, the corniness is part of why I liked it. I don't know. It's just there's not enough of it in the movie that it comes across in a, in a way that just feels tonally inconsistent for me like there's not enough of that in the movie for it to not be corny for me corny in a bad way the fucking eric estrada joke the you rip my shirt the the bar the the bathroom freak out scene like it's just it doesn't feel work like for that's me. all bill done, duke's like, character kind of like an in, <laughs> like it's an in joke like it's on purpose like isn't this funny how you, this whole fucking movie is an inside joke that I'm just not in on. That's what it boils down to, I guess. But it's not a joke. That's fair. <laughs> no, no, no. I just mean the fact that, like, I just don't, I don't get it. I get I, it. <laughs> for the record, though, I, I feel like I had to come a little harder on the movie just because you guys were, like, jerking each other off. So, like, let the record show. Absolutely I do, not that. I do like Mandy now. I just don't love it. You don't like the Let first the record half. show. <laughs> I think I find the first half. Yeah, boring. I saw. I already saw your star rating on there. I feel like you've been a little harsh on the. I had to on be. The I had to be. Second half rules, though. Well, second half is fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to clarify. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and do star ratings. Uh, original rating for Mandy was a two point five. Came up a full star. It's a three point five now. I give it all the stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the stars in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I give it five stars. This movie rules. Love it, start to finish. Stay tuned. Even the singer. Oh wait, <laughs> oh. we didn't talk about the stinger. What is the singer? This is our own stinger. <laughs> what is the stinger in this movie? I mean, it's just it's just like a like an illustration board, like a drawing board with like illustrations of like Nick Cage's face and like the tiger. Like it's very clearly like it's kind of like you know the end scene very clearly sets it up that you're in a fantasy novel that just like cements it. I think so. It like pulls back the it curtains. Was all in thing. Mandy's head the whole time, Matt. She wrote this fantasy. It never I mean, even happened. I don't. I mean, they, I don't think that, but. <clears throat> They just woke up the next morning. They they, they never. She never got captured. That wasn't that's in the nothing, stinger, nothing Travis. No, no. Travis. I'm just saying that's what that's what really happened. Oh, it was, no. 
giving me Aubrey Los Ojos vibes now. This is going to bring it up a full star and a half now. <laughs> no, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe Paris, whatever Travis it, the said. Fir- the yeah, second half, said. the second half didn't happen. She, it was just a fantasy story that Mandy created in her head. Mm. Is that literally how you interpret this movie? Uh, no, I don't interpret it one way, Matt, and that's why it is so amazing. Okay, Travis, even I have to do jack-off hands for that. That was amazing. Stay tuned for part four of the top 100. (laughs) Yeah, just how high will he go? Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap her up. Uh, It's time for me to announce. uh, Wait, Paris, you haven't given your star ratings. I'm sorry, right? I did. I said five stars. Oh, you did. After oh, I, I made fun of Travis for Travis saying all me. the stars in the sky. <laughs> okay, I must have just not heard you. Okay, five stars. Good chip. All right. So uh, next episode, uh, it's my turn, and we're gonna be talking puppets, guys. Puppets. We're gonna oh, no. be doing James Wan's Dead Silence, as well as uh, a relatively recent horror film. Uh, it's called Possum. There's a dude on Twitter that it's one of his like all time favorite horror movies. And I do know some people like it. So it's been on my radar for a while. I've heard mixed things about Possum. Yeah. It's about like a disgrace, like puppeteer or something. Um, So anyway, Mm -hmm. we're doing puppets. Dead Silence. Excited for that. Not excited for Dead Silence. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen Dead Silence in quite a long time i only saw it once back in the day but are these streaming anywhere they are streaming um i forgot to take note but yes they are streaming it's like amazon nice job man um fucking (laughs) google it bud chill (laughs) (laughs) they are both streaming (laughs) uh dead silence is not streaming apparently no, it is. It's on. It's wow. on HBO Max. It's on Good HBO job. Max. Oh, don't oh, come don't up on just watch. Show me like that. No, to be fair, just watch HBO Max. Trash. Hold on. HBO Max doesn't come up when you Google streaming, like X Y Z movie streaming. Oh. You have to go to HBO Max. So if you guys ever looks like we're solid on Possum. Matt, I'll be using. Yeah, that I did my account. research. Chill. <laughs> um. Okay, so Possum, Dead Silence, that'll be the next episode. Um, That's going to do it for this one. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will be back soon. Stay spooky. Stay scary. Stay stupid.